0: So you guys get me again. Um, The truth is I didn't plan this one either. So there's that. Um, Jeremy is really, really sick. Um, And so he is not here and um, said, okay, why don't you do it? So I have, um, I've been up here a few times now and I think I've preached all my back pocket sermons that I had. (laughs) And so I, it's good. Jeremy and I were talking the last two weeks really about how it's like, I was, I'm scheduled in November but I was like, OK, I'm, I'm, like, there's new things that God is doing in my life and new things that I want to lean into with the Lord. And so we're just going to lean in together. Does that sound good? Uh, my dad jokes around that we need to always be ready to preach, pray, or die at any given moment. So here, here we go. <laughs> um, We're on a series on prayer. We're in a series on prayer. And I don't know about you, I've really loved this series. I think it's been really encouraging um, in my life, just thinking through just the different ways that we can connect with God. Um, we've talked about prayers of blessing. Prayers of intercession was last week, and I loved how Uh, Jeremy gave like our do's and our don'ts. Did you guys find that helpful? I found that helpful, yeah. Um, Keeping the faith in light of unanswered prayers and even the tabernacle prayer model was really cool. Um, But today we're gonna talk about a type of prayer that honestly, looking over the last few decades of the church, I haven't really heard many sermons preached on this type of prayer, but it's very important. And actually... A number of the psalms, almost a third of the psalms, are dedicated to this type of prayer. And the type of prayer is lament. Lament. And let's just be honest. There might be a lot of things in the world and in our lives that bring on lament, which is just a sadness or a grief. Um, and, and there's real broke. I mean, even thinking about like this whole thing with the Constitution. Like, there's grief in all of it, right? And as a mom, as a parent right now, there are just things that bring grief, that are experienced, like, in a community, in a a communal way, but also for us as individuals, right? And it feels heavy. And I don't know about you, but sometimes, like, um... This is just another thing that the Spirit did this week. I was just kind of thinking through things, going about my life, and all of a sudden, I just got burdened with grief. And I was like, grief, why are you coming to visit today? (laughs) Like, that doesn't really make sense. Um, And I just kind of sat with what I like to call her. (laughs) I sat with her, my grief. And just sat with her for a moment, and I was like, "What? What is, what is going on? Like, why? Why? What? What? What do you need? Because <laughs> a lot of times, I don't know about you, but we can try to distract ourselves away from feeling this stuff, right? We can distract with busyness. We can distract with noise. I know someone who literally cannot, like he will be watching television with the radio, with his phone, like there is no, I don't know if any of y'all know those kind of people, there's just noise. And one time I encouraged him and I was like, what what if you just turned it all off <laughs> and you were just alone with your thoughts? Is, is that an okay space to have? He's like, I don't really know. But he did it and he came back, he's like, That was an interesting experiment. (laughs) But we distract ourselves with with so many different things. And so today, I just kind of want us to have space for each other, to just sit in some lament. Um, But what's beautiful about a Christian community is that while we, yes, we celebrate with one another and we grieve with one another, we also like point each other to Jesus. That's the whole point of this whole thing, right? The reason that we are here, the reason my son loves going downstairs, there are people in his life constantly pointing him to Jesus, which is so important. Um, The last two weeks in our family, um, my son's in kindergarten, and we have not— Uh, Done a lot with him talking about safety drills (laughs) in any way, shape, or form, which is on us. We should have. You know, he's six. Um, But two weeks ago, I think, or a few weeks ago, they did the stranger in the building drill. (sighs) Y'all, I was not ready. I was not prepared. We had not talked about it. And so he comes home, the school didn't let us know, and that's their whatever, that's that, what this is about. <laughs> but he comes home and he's like drawing on this paper, like a big X on a paper. And he's like, Mom, how do you do like a grumpy face? I'm like, OK. And we do art after school to help him just kind of decompress and process things. And then he was like, OK, I'm going to go set this up. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm making a trap for the bad guys. I'm like, what? like, what bad guys? He's like, well, you know the ones who can come through our doors and our windows. I'm like, what are you talking about? And over two hours, finally got out what had gone on at school, that they did a drill where they told all the kids to lay on the floor, and they blocked the windows. Because if a stranger with bad intentions comes into the building, if they have to be very silent. Because if they're not silent, he can come through and get them. What? So as a Christian parent, we chose to, to continue to instill the presence of God wherever we are, that we are filled with peace. That God gives adults around us wisdom and discernment to make good decisions, and you can listen to them in times of fear, but that God is with you. And so even that night, we just did a little imaginative prayer time. Elias, when you were on the floor, Jesus was with you. When you were scared, Jesus was right with you. And I can't help but think about all the things, the images that we see, and all of the stuff that is going on in the world and just saying, Jesus, you are with them. I don't know how. (laughs) And dear Jesus, please never, never let us experience the depth of knowledge of your presence and our suffering like they are experiencing. But I know you're there. I know you're there. And over the last few weeks, you know, (laughs) bless, Um, he's at a Christian school. And for whatever reason, they choose to teach little children the Old Testament from the beginning. And I'm still struggling with that, to be totally honest with you. I think they need Jesus, and then Hebrews, and then the Old Testament kind of makes more sense to me. But all of a sudden, they're learning about the plagues. and. And I'm just like, what? And my son loves animals and just the plagues and how awful they were. And then all of a sudden, we're talking about blood sacrifice and how the Spirit came. I mean, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it is hard to be a Christian parent. It is hard to be a parent. But there is a real, Leo and I, like, you, I've shared this a little bit. We waited seven years, not waited on purpose, but waited seven years to be able to be parents. And when God finally gave us our son, when he was in my body, we knew that the way that we parent him is going to give him the foundation for how he understands God. And that has always driven us in the way we discipline him and the way we speak to him and the way that we make space for him and the way that we um, celebrate him and delight over him, all of those things, right? Right? So even in the hard things, so last week for two hours, because now they've done not only a stranger drill, but now they've done a tornado drill, and now they've done a fire drill, and we got to talk about all the things. So literally for two hours last week, we just sat with Elias and talked about all the things. And bless my son, he had already figured out hiding places in every single spot of our house in case a stranger came in, like what? So we had to tell him, honey, there are things that we do and that we have that that you don't know about to help keep us safe, to help keep us protected. But at the end of the day, we have Jesus and we're not guaranteed anything. I didn't tell him that, but he already, (sighs) it's, my son is a deep feeler. If you ever have a chance to like engage with him at all, he is an incredible young man and it is an honor to shepherd him and to steward him in this life. Um, But we do our best to stay engaged. And I think it's a reflection of who God is for us, right? Um, Allowing Elias to, to process his fears No matter how many questions he has about everything, it's like, yeah, bud, let's talk about it again. Okay, let's go over it again. Okay, and he'll bring up random things. Okay, let's talk about it again. And just staying engaged and not shaming him or guilting him or thinking that he should have grown past this by now. Do you guys hear this? Is this kind of healing your hearts, even as you understand God as your father? It's okay to keep coming back with the same questions. It's okay to need, to think that you just need a little bit more time. It's okay. There's space. And as an adult, as a mom, as a parent, as a person alive in this world, huh, there are lament psalms that have helped to give me language when I bring my uncomfortable emotions to the Lord. You know, Jeremy and I were talking about this and how hard it is sometimes for us to really even admit that we have hard emotions. Sometimes it shows up in different places, even in our bodies, because we just don't even know how to deal with the emotion. But out of, like I said, out of the 150 psalms 57 are psalms of lament, a third of them. And they're broken down into two basic categories: individual lament and communal. Lament. But each Psalm follows a particular pattern. And we're going to see that as we read through Psalm 13 right now. The first section is a section called complaint. (laughs) Some of us are great at that. Maybe just me. Okay, Um, Oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. So we're going to take a look at these three specific things. One is complaint. And that was a pretty big complaint. Like, how long will you forget me? (laughs) You know? And that's part of the reality of coming to the Lord. Like, we can come with our limited vision. Because... At the end of the day, did God really forget the psalm writer? No. But from our individual perspectives, when we are so in it in ourselves, I don't know if it's just me, but it's like, Lord, like, hello! <laughs> we get so introspective that we just, we, we sometimes allow the lies of the things to permeate instead of the truth, right? And so this complaint, and, and this is what's interesting. There's a quote from a book that I really, really recommend if you are someone who um, is open to just understanding the Psalms in an emotional, like God created us as emotional beings, yes, not just physical beings and spiritual beings, but there are emotions and they are real and they're healthy. They are not always true, yes, but they're real. And so um, there's a book called Open and Unafraid, the Psalms is a guide to life. And um, I know the author and he's an amazing man of God. But he says this, it is a daring theology on display. Finding himself in acute pain, the psalmist mouths off. (laughs) He presses the Lord for an answer, but the Lord keeps silent. Do not be silent! The psalmist responds in a few different places. It is yet again evidence of the kind of visceral honesty that belongs in the place of faithful worship. Do you hear that? Faithful worship isn't always just, God, you are. God, you are. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. But faithful worship involves actual, authentic communication. This is no faithless cry against the Almighty. This is not the attack of an atheist. This is the wrestling out of faith in the presence of the Lord. For the psalmist, there is no civilized speech. There is no stiffer uplip or quiet resignation. There is only more intense address before the face of God. I want to encourage you, and this sounds weird, (laughs) but I want to encourage you to be real with the Lord. A few months ago, whenever it was, I preached on Psalm 139. And I believe the words of that Psalm when it says, there's nowhere we can go that his hand can't reach us, right? That he isn't already there. That God is already in our grief. God is already walking through the steps. There really, I I told you this before too, like there have been times in my life where I felt like if I really opened up my heart to experience any of the pain that I had experienced, it would probably just stop. In my chest. Because it was so deep and so many layers to all of the things. But I want to tell you that God is there. God is faithful. There is nothing that can separate you from the love and the compassion and the mercy and the kindness of God. So you can mouth off. You can. There's space for that. And then we go on, right? What was the second one? You ask, what is the request? What is the request that you have of God? And then you finally, you resolve to trust. You resolve to surrender. And this imagery of surrender is really important. I'd encourage you to like lean into, I didn't list them all out, but there's 57 of them in the Psalms. And so you can find them, do a little Google search. What are the lament Psalms? But find them when you're in a good mood. Okay? Because if you find them when you're in a good mood, you got them in your back pocket when your day is not great. Okay? Find them when you're in a good mood. Find them whenever you can. But they are so powerful. But some of them are not this 30-second sitcom, yay, God, at the end. Some of them don't end like that. Some of them don't end with this high hope. Some of them literally end with the psalmist saying, I am just gonna lay in a pile of dust. And that's where the psalmist ends. But I don't know about you, but dust imagery in the Bible is incredible when you think about Genesis 1. Genesis, when God created something new, he did what? He breathed into the dust. And so this surrender that God invites us to when we lament is a surrender of God, I have no idea how you are going to raise any of this back to life. I have no idea how any of this is ever going to be resolved, but I'm going to just lay here and trust that you are the one who breathes dust to life. Amen? So with that lens, I want us to take a look at Luke chapter 11. And I'm going to read the whole thing. And our little fun software that like automatically puts Bible verses in didn't do it. So I typed this all in this morning. So if there are any uh, typos, Just excuse me, sorry, my fault. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night... There is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. (laughs) So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Um, Something that I think is interesting about Jesus is especially when we're reading in the Bible, like we know the end of the story, right? We know what happens. We're going to get there in two minutes, but we know what happens because it's a beautiful picture, this beautiful thing that we've heard about since we were children. But I, I love reading the Bible with wonder about the people who are with Jesus in the moment. Right? Hear Mary and Martha, like, come on, dude. We've seen you do this kind of stuff. Come on. Come home. <laughs> raise them up. Heal him. Heal him. Heal him. Heal him. Not raise him up yet. They didn't know that he could do that yet. Heal him. Right. And then the disciples are saying, Well, Jesus, why in the world are we gonna go there? They almost they tried to stone you. Like, you're just really confusing everybody right now. <laughs> Either we go, we're gonna die, or no. Nah. And so I love Thomas's response to this. It's just kind of humorous to me. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's go too and die with Jesus. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Like, okay, Jesus, we're going to go do this. Like, we know you love him, but I guess we're going to go die. Here we go. Isn't it interesting? I love reading the Bible and just pausing and reflecting and putting myself in that story. What would it have been like? When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Isn't that interesting? Like that, come on, man. Like why in the world didn't this happen? She she had that intimate relationship with Jesus. So from right from the get go, it's not, hi, how are you? All of the niceties or anything. It's like, dude, where were you? But she doesn't end there. She says, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. Um, I just, we're we're 2,000 years past this, right? (laughs) But this brand new knowledge of who Jesus was, they had seen him heal. They knew different things, but they didn't know the depth of who he really was and what he really came to do, which is incredible that they trusted I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. Um, I think death saddens God as well and it angers him. He has all the power to stop it. <laughs> he has all the power, but, but, when, but when we realize that Jesus does actually weep with us, That there are things in this world that actually grieve God, not just us. It allows us to to enter into that space with him. That sometimes our grief isn't just our grief, we grieve with God. Does that make sense? Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. (laughs) But Martha... The dead man's sister protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here. So that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in gravecloths, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, Unwrap him and let him go. There's so many parts of this story. I encourage you to just dig in, read it. There's so much here this week. But, But at the end of the day, this is what is incredible to me. Mary had walked with Jesus. Mary and Martha had seen Jesus do all of these incredible things, yet they had never seen him raise the dead. They'd never seen that before. And I don't know about us, like last week during worship and even as I was preparing for worship last week, I just got this sense that like we are at this level of what we know of God and all of us, there's not like levels, like comparison, but in your life, right? There's depths to understanding God's character, God's goodness, God's mercy, God's provision, God's healing. There, as we walk in life, there is this journey that God takes us in that's deeper and deeper, right? But I would just want to encourage you that there is still yet more. There is still yet more. There is more for us to understand about the character and the nature and the heart of God. Mary had no clue to even ask for Lazarus to be raised from the dead. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but there are times I go to the Lord and I just like, I don't know how to do the petition. (laughs) I don't know how to do the petition because it's like, I know my complaints, Lord, but I don't know how you're going to solve this, right? I don't know how you're going to rescue this. I don't know how you're going to redeem this. Who am I to even give you ideas? Like that doesn't even make sense, right? I'm so tiny in my little tiny human brain. I have no clue. You are the God of the universe, So sometimes, my posture is just down in the dirt. Lord, how are you going to breathe life into this? How are you going to breathe life? I don't know what it is for you. I don't know if it's God. How are you going to breathe life into this relationship? How are you going to breathe life into this situation with my family? How are you going to breathe life into this situation that I'm dealing with at work? How are you going to breathe life into my kids' anxiety and how they're struggling? How are you going to breathe life? How are you going to do it? And we wait. <laughs> We wait in the dust for God to breathe. Resurrection life. Life that only he can breathe. Life that only comes when we truly surrender authentically and wholly say, Lord, my life, my family's life, everything is yours. And it is all for your glory. So that's the invitation, friends, to be real, to notice when the grief comes, and to not push it down, to not push it aside, but say, Jesus, you're here with me in this. There's a reason this is coming up, and so I'm going to lean into you and just ask for your presence to just be more tangible than the things that I'm feeling, for your truth about your character to be more true than what I'm feeling and what I'm experiencing. Amen? Amen? So let's pray. (laughs) Lord, I thank you that you are the one who raises the dead. Lord, I thank you that you're the one who breathes into the dirt and makes incredible things. Lord, that you crafted us in your image, through your breath, Lord, I thank you for even the way that you created human bodies and just the way that you designed us so fearfully and wonderfully. And Lord, I thank you that you love this broken, ridiculous world. Even this mess that we have made out of all of the things, that you loved this so much that you sent, your only begotten Son, that whoever believes will have life everlasting. And Lord, I thank you that that life can start now. And that life doesn't mean that everything is rainbows and butterflies. It just means that it's real and that you're in it with us. And so, Lord, I just ask that as we go out of this place that you will meet us in our cars, in our beds, as we're taking walks. That you would allow us to be real with you and authentic. That we would create space for each other to be real and authentic. And Lord, just as Jesus told the people around Lazarus to go unwrap his grave clothes, that that is who we would be for each other. People who stand and say, actually, this thought, this this behavior, this is not who you are as a resurrected child of God, as someone who lives in resurrection life. This is not actually who you are. And that we would be willing to speak the truth over each other. That we would be willing to walk with each other. That we would be willing to grieve with each other and celebrate with each other. But the only way that we actually learn how to do that, Jesus, is if we've experienced it with you first. So meet us. Meet us in our prayer closets. Meet us in our times alone. Lord, I, just, I also just pray, Lord, for people who, who are kind of just trying to stay busy, <laughs> who maybe are afraid of going there with you. Lord, that you would just give them courage to just turn the noise off, to put the phone down, to let the project wait, and to invite you in. Because in you, there truly is perfect peace. Your perfect love actually does cast out all fear. There is a peace that passes all understanding that actually can guard our hearts and our minds because we're in you. So Lord, I just ask for that. I just ask for more. Take us deeper. Thank you for the psalmists who wrote words that, that help us. When we have unorganized thoughts and feelings, we can read them and find words to what we're experiencing. And words that not only are just words on a page, but words that bring life and words that point us to you. Words that remind us that this is not the end of the story, that what we see right now is not the end of the story, that there is a bigger story that we're a part of. Thank you for your presence, Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Thank you. Thank you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Be blessed.